Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see everybody today. It's good to have some visitors here with us this morning. We're glad you're here. and hope you will come back whenever you can. I'm just so glad that all of you could be here on such a very, very important Sunday, a very memorable Sunday, uh, with this having been the last Sunday of the year. I know that's why we're all really focusing on I'm kidding. Of course, it's a Christmas day, so a Merry, Merry Christmas to all. Uh, we're going to focus on what I'm sure most all of us have thought about at some point here this weekend, and people are thinking about all over the world. We're going to focus on the birth of Jesus this morning, knowing full well that the Bible does not tell us which day Jesus was born on, and that uh, this particular day was set several hundred years later, doesn't really matter to me. I want to focus on the birth of Jesus today because without his birth, we do not have Jesus at all. And as we've been studying these last few weeks, we have studied uh, looking down at the trial of Jesus and backtracking then to the transfiguration of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. Kind of starting with, he was put to death as a result of the trial because he claimed to be the Son of God. Well, the transfiguration is a high point of the gospel account where he is really shown to be different from anyone else who has ever lived. His divinity, as it were, shown through his transfigured flesh on the high mountain. And if he is God walking the earth as he claimed to be, his teaching should have been different. So last week we focused on the teaching of Jesus, how he told people to be compassionate and caring about one another. In an age at the time where people would just have as soon run over people, uh, it walked up by on the other side and leaving people to die, come to think about it, there's not really that big a difference perhaps in much of society today. Jesus said, be different, show love and action, be compassionate. And you can't get to the teaching of Jesus backing up to today without the birth of Jesus. So this week we're looking at the birth, and I want to talk about it in the form of the gift of Jesus. Picking up in Luke chapter 2, and I forget whether it was my son or my daughter who asked me if I was going to mention the Charlie Brown Christmas episode. Was it you or was it Christopher? Christopher this time. And we have that opportunity each year to see, with no interruptions, with no media censorship, Linus telling Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about, at least in the form of thinking about Jesus. And he reads and tells the story from Luke chapter 2. And I'm still amazed that after all these years, we still get that wonderful scene each and every year. So let's read this here from Luke chapter 2, talking about the birth of Jesus, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Absolutely. All of us would have been scared silly for something like that to happen if we're standing out in the middle of the field. Verse 10. An angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel's speaking to a group of shepherds and bringing them good news, but it's not simply good news for the shepherds. It's not merely good news, as we're going to find out over in Bethlehem. It's not merely good news for the people of Judah, the people of Israel. 
the angel says, this is good news, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, that is Bethlehem, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby, a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the angel tells these shepherds, over in the city of David, they were just outside the city of David, you can go over there, you will find this Christ, the anointed, the Messiah, who is the Lord, lying in a manger, of all things, in a small town, Bethlehem is a small town, was then, in a stable, in a manger, and we know that's because there was no room for them to be anywhere else, you're going to find them all wrapped up. I always think of how babies, sometimes you can barely see their faces when they're newborn, right? They're just, there's a baby in there somewhere. That's kind of what I'm imagining here, Jesus being just wrapped up in the clothes, being kept warm. And then the angel and the heavenly host get together and say, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who with uh, God is pleased. The angels, we are told in the book of First Peter, had been looking into the salvation that the prophets had been hinting at and talking about for hundreds of years because they knew God had a plan to save humanity and they didn't know what it was. They desired to look into it and find out and now finally it's as if they're coming down and shouting, it's here. It's right over there. To the shepherds, you guys need to go check this out because even we have been waiting for a long, long time to find out what God's plan is. It starts today. When the angels went away from them, from the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I'm sure, right? What's, what's happening here, right? But they said to each other, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Stop right there for a minute. Who's there? Mary, Joseph, and the baby. The shepherds. The shepherds know it. This sure sounds like even some others may have already come at this point. All who heard it wondered. It's not like you could have said Mary and Joseph wondered when they heard this. All who heard it wondered. So apparently I'm going to really choose to think. That sounds like other people beyond the shepherds, beyond Mary and Joseph, and beyond the baby Jesus are here. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them, which is what? Over in the city of David is born to you this day a Savior, the, the anointed, the chosen one, Christ the Lord. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary's the one who the angel had appeared to. Mary's the one who had been told that her baby would save his people from their sins and it keeps getting confirmed throughout Mary's life. So that's the account of the birth of Jesus from Luke. Now consider the part of the story that's also told by Matthew. We always, when we see things shown on television, or we see and, and think about it, we put them both together and we're intended to do that. But there's another section of the story of the birth of Jesus that's told in the Gospel of Matthew that's not in the Gospel of Luke. And that concerns the people we usually call wise men. Wise men. So take a look here. 
Matthew chapter 2 is where we'll be. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Back up. We'll leave it right there for a moment. These wise men were not told how many there are. If you ask 100 people on the street, they will say three wise men, right? We're not told how many there are. The Bible never says. There are three gifts, and so that's usually why people have thought of three wise men that come. And we're not told necessarily that these are kings. We certainly don't know their names. There's a lot of tradition, a lot of filling in gaps or invention that's happened over 2,000 years. These all have names in, in terms of popular culture. I bet if you go to Wiki, this afternoon, look up wise men. It'll have all sorts of things. All we know is that these individuals are generally wise men. They came from the east, perhaps over toward Babylon. Certainly, that's usually what's called the east. And they came seeking the individual who had been born king of the Jews. And they saw his star when it rose. Uh, astrology at the time was not considered superstitious as much. It was simply a study of the heavens trying to see if anything had been revealed in the heavens. We usually don't do that today. But in this particular time, something appeared in the sky that suggested you need to go over toward Bethlehem. I do not believe it's a comet. I don't believe it's a conjunction of two planets. You can find all that speculation uh, if you go to the internet today as well. Because the Bible does say the star led them to Bethlehem. A comet in the sky is going to be a little difficult to distinguish if you're coming all the way from the east about whether you should go to Bethlehem or go to Jerusalem. After all, Jerusalem's a big old city, so why not go? You're not going to get that out of it. Something different going on here than some phenomenon in the sky that maybe you've seen before, comet or planets getting close together. I don't have any clue what it is. But what the Bible tells us is that it's a star announcing the birth, and somehow or other this star, this light in the sky, leads these wise individuals to come seek Jesus and to go find him eventually when they're told here in Bethlehem by the Jewish leaders. Picking up, chapter 2, verse 9. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them uh, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Stars in the sky don't usually do that kind of thing. This is not some sort of a supernova Again, this is not a comet, right? I, I don't know what it is. Stars don't move around and essentially like a light. It's almost like a giant spotlight. I don't know what this is. The Bible uses the idea of a star. It's certainly a miracle having God come and dwell in bodily form. It came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, I suppose the star having stopped and saying, right here, right, somehow or other. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Where had Jesus been when he was born? Remember from Luke? He was in a, a manger, almost certainly in a stable. Probably was not a thatched hut of some sort. Tradition, probably correct here, suggests the stable was in kind of a, a cave. Many times you'd keep animals in a cave, put a gate up in front of the cave... It's tough for them to get away, right? And you don't have to build a huge fence all around. And there are caves in the side of the hills near Bethlehem. That's likely where they were, in a stable, in a cave, in a manger. They're not in 
the same place now. The wise men almost certainly are not showing up five minutes after the shepherds are there. That's the way it shows up on you know things like the little drummer boy and all that other stuff that we see on TV. It seems like boom, 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 right? It's Grand Central coming in to see the baby. The shepherds come. Some townspeople may have come. Remember, there were others apparently from what it sounds like reading back in Luke who were there. When the wise men come, they go to the house. It looks as if a couple of days may have passed. They got out of the manger and found something more suitable to live in. Certainly sounds like it. It says house. It doesn't say manger. They found the child in the house. They saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they brought gifts for this baby born king of the Jews. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I want to talk about the gifts that they brought. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Uh, gold, of course, we're most familiar with. Many people might have some gold on their hand or gold on their ears or, or something, right? We're all familiar with gold. They offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold was considered the gift of a king. In the culture at the time, gold was the gift of the king. It was the custom to always approach a king with a gift. If you went to the king to ask for something, you don't want to show up empty-handed. You wanted to show up with a gift. And gold is a gift fit for all kings. Kings never look down upon getting gold brought to them. Nice and shiny. It certainly increases your wealth. And people desire gold. Kings especially. Jesus was born to be the king. So by bringing him gold, it certainly is a fit gift for the child born to eventually become the king. He was born to reign, however, not by force, not with the fist of, of power and might. He was born to rule over our hearts by love and by our own choices. He was not born to be the king from a throne or from the cross. So I think it's important that we remember that Jesus is the king. And that when we approach him, we should approach him certainly with gifts. I'm going to suggest the gift of our hearts, the gift of our love, and the gift of our all. Jesus is the king. The wise men brought him gold. <clears throat> the next gift they brought him is frank incense. I always think of it that way so I can remember what it is. Frank incense. Frank incense. And that word incense tells you what the gift really is. This is a, an aromatic substance. Come on in, come on in. This is an aromatic substance. It was typically the gift for a priest. The gift for a priest. It was used in temple worship, and it was a sweet-smelling perfume. People that were given this would have known that it was to make things smell nicer and better. These days, we don't use incense all that much, probably. Many times we'll have the, the fancy-smelling candle over in the corner, right? And I love how the candles will smell like a Christmas tree. They'll smell like anything you want. So that's what we get with, with uh, the incense. The function of a priest, this is the gift from the priest. The function of a priest was to open the pathway to God, to be the intermediary, to allow the person who comes to God to have a way to approach God. And certainly under the Jewish form of worship, the Jewish religion that's in place at this time, if you want to approach God to have sins forgiven, to approach God with your, your issues, your problems, you went through a priest. Well, Jesus is, in fact, the one who opened the way to God so that we can boldly walk straight in to God. Again, hopefully with gold in a sense, right? Our lives, our hearts, 
our entirety, bringing that to God. But I think it's interesting that the frankincense was what was associated with the priest. The Latin word for priest, that's not a Latin class, but the Latin word for priest is pontifex. When Caesar became the head of the, the uh, Roman state, he was set up as the pontifex maximus, the high priest of Rome. And the role of the high priest, even in the Roman area, was to be the bridge builder. That's what the word means, pontifex. You build a bridge, engineer. You build, you build a bridge, right? And so Jesus is in so many ways the bridge builder. He created the bridge that allowed us to approach God. And that bridge he created was by his life and his death. And this is a bridge that doesn't wear out. It's a bridge that doesn't need repairs. It's a bridge that is always open. Because once Jesus established that bridge, we have constant, eternal access, as it were, the last gift is myrrh. Myrrh, a tough word. Tough word to say and spell. I'm so glad for spell check. I always want to put uh, two H's or two I's in there instead of two R's. Myrrh. Myrrh is the gift that was usually given for someone who was going to die or who had already died. Myrrh. It was used to embalm the bodies of the dead. How's that appropriate for Jesus? Well, I don't know that the wise man had this in mind, but it certainly fits with what Jesus' ultimate destiny here on the earth was to be, which was to die on the cross, be buried, and then raised from the dead. He came into the world to live for us. That's really important, but also to die for us too, right? So you have gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and myrrh for the one who was going to die. These are the gifts of the wise men. And it's foretelling, I suspect, whether they knew it or not, that Jesus was to be the high priest, Jesus was to be the king, and Jesus was to be the one to die, as it turns out, for each and every one of us. So these magi, the word is often used for them, these wise men brought gifts to this newborn baby. We do the same thing today. It's not unusual, right? We do the same thing today. When a, when a woman is expecting, what do you typically do? You get together and throw, what's it, what is it, right? The baby shower. You bring things for this new baby, either before the baby's born or right after the baby's born. We do the same thing. Although here, they were bringing these gifts to a king. So, this one time, however, in bringing gifts to this new baby, bringing gifts to the king, this one time in all of history, the important gift is not what the wise men brought. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, the gold, myrrh, and frankincense. And that's not what is important. Because the gifts given to the king are not as important as the, what the king brought, what the baby has given to us. It is the baby who brought a gift to the wise men, to the shepherds, all the people, including us, 2,000 years later. What is this gift that the baby brought? You know, when, if I go to a baby shower, right, usually I'll confess I'm looking for cupcakes or something like that. That's, if I'm going to go, that's usually why I will go to a baby shower. But I'm not expecting the mother of the child, or if the baby's already born, for the baby to have a present to give to me. I'm coming to honor the baby. Well, here in this case, out of all history, it is truly the baby. Jesus, that is the gift to all of us. What is that gift? 
Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I deserve death because of my own choices. I knew what I was doing. I did it anyway. I knew that I shouldn't have done these things. I did them anyway. And once that has happened, there was absolutely no way I could fix it. Can't fix it. Duct tape, whatever you try to fix things with today, there's no way to get that bridge sent back to God. I'm separated from God by my own choices. Ages, what I owe, what I do to be paid because of my own choices was death, separation from God. But the free gift that God has sent is to each and every one of us through His Son. And you can't get to the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus without the incarnation, without Jesus coming to live here on the earth, being born of a woman, as Paul says. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of work so that no one can boast. I needed, since I was dead in my trespasses and sins, some way to get back to God. And there's nothing I could do. I could not visit enough sick people. I could not feed enough of the hungry. I could not cry a river deep enough. Nothing I could do could bridge this gap between God and me. And that's true of each and every person who has ever lived. But look, I have been saved through faith by what? By the grace of God, a gift from God. And it is not a result of anything I could do or have done. That is the gift that Jesus provides for each one of us. That is the gift that showed up right there in Bethlehem. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. You know, sometimes you're given a gift that just will really amaze you. I don't know if anyone today, right? Some of us have opened some gifts perhaps today. I don't know if anybody got a hundred carat diamond. Ladies, if you did, raise your hand. You got a hundred carat diamond today. That would probably have amazed us all. The gift that Jesus brought makes even a hundred carat diamond nothing. Because, I don't know, if you struck oil in the back of the building here or whatever, I mean, you might eventually have enough money to buy a hundred carat diamond. There's not enough money. There's not enough good works. There's nothing any of us could ever do to be remotely worthy of this gift that Jesus came as the baby he was. He grew up Live teaching us all to be compassionate, showing love to one another, being put on trial after being shown to be God when he was on the mountain, when he was transfigured, and then being put to death even though he was innocent. The story didn't end there. Jesus was buried, and then on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And that is what I need to keep in mind when we're talking about the baby Jesus. So when we consider today the birth of Jesus, let's always also remember the gift of Jesus. That gift requires me to change my life from the way I have been living 
and to see that gift for what it is, a way for me to return to God. So this morning, if there's anyone here who's already a member of God's family and you want to say to God, I'm going to focus on you in the next year, this will be your opportunity here in just a moment to come. We'll take your name before God, pray for you and all of us that we might be forgiven and be the kind of people God wants us to be. Or if there's someone here who's not yet a member of God's family, what a perfect time thinking about the gift that God sent nearly 2,000 plus years ago. That gift that Jesus brought for each and every one of us. So if there's any way we can be of help to you, please come as we sing this song.